We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Final round. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a new podcast partner immediately. Quarantine and chill. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible, presented by Broadway Sports Media. Check out www.broadwaysportsmedia.com. Partnered with 440 Sports, I'm Justin Graver, joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Mello. And we are recording this on a Thursday evening, as usual. How are you doing tonight, Justin? I'm doing well. Uh, Dealing with some audio issues, but we're going to power through. Powered through, that's what we do here. We call an audible and we just roll with it because it's the Music City Audible. Tonight, we will be previewing the Detroit Lions. Titans play the Lions. It's their last home game of the season this Sunday, week 15. We're going to get into it. We got a great guest coming on in a few minutes, Jeff Risden, who covers the Lions for USA Today Lions Wire. So we can't wait to dive into what's going on in Detroit, talking about their quarterback issues with Stafford's injury and everything else that's going on. But first, I just want to cover with you, touch on the Titans playoff scenarios, because there's some things that could happen this weekend. The Titans, if everything breaks right, could have their playoff spot locked up. Let me just read through what has to happen. If Tennessee wins and the Baltimore Ravens lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars, they are in. Now, I don't really see that one happening because the Ravens are playing at a high level, at least They seem to be getting better right now. Do you think this one happens? No, definitely not. Jacksonville have lost 12 games in a row for a reason, so I wouldn't (laughs) waste any energy on that one. Yes, let's move on. Tennessee win plus a Las Vegas loss or tie on Thursday night. So by the time you're listening to this on Friday, we'll already know if that happened. Plus a Miami loss at home to the Patriots. Plus a Cleveland Browns win or tie against the Giants. Seems like a lot has to happen there, but I do think it could happen. I kind of like the Chargers tonight. We'll see if that's an ice cold take in the morning. I don't think Miami loses to New England, though. So I think this scenario falls apart there. But Titans fans are rooting for the Patriots, the Browns, and the Chargers. Any chance for this one? I I think that's unlikely as well. I'm I'm not going to lie to you. No, I, I don't think that one happens either. Well, I don't even understand this third one. It's almost the same as what I just read, except Cleveland doesn't have to win. Tennessee or Cleveland could clinch a strength of victory tiebreaker over Miami. Miami has to lose, Las Vegas lose or tie, Tennessee win. But if all the teams that Miami's beaten, if enough of them lose, while enough of the teams that Tennessee or Cleveland has beaten win, the Titans could clinch that way, would still rely on the Patriots to beat the Dolphins. So all this to say, I don't think Tennessee is clinching a playoff berth week 15. Could happen week 16, might take until week 17, but I'd be pretty surprised if everything broke correctly for the Titans to clinch on Sunday. Do you agree? I agree. Yeah, I don't expect them to be able to clinch this Sunday. And you may find out as early as today, right? I mean, in a couple of those scenarios, they need the Raiders, right, to drop this game. So at least Titans fans probably won't have to rack their brains uh, all weekend with these scenarios. I, I do think the Raiders are going to win tonight. It'll probably be close, but I do think the Raiders win this one. Well, I hope you're wrong because I got the uh, Chargers money line, baby. Here we go. Raiders are missing four starters on defense. Anything can happen, right? Anyway, let's move on and talk about 
the Titans, because that's what we cover here. Titans practice report came out and some pretty great news. Christian Fulton participated in a full practice for the first time in weeks. Do you think we see him on the field against the Lions? Yeah, it does sound like uh, it does sound like Christian Fulton's going to return against the Lions this weekend. How much he plays and where he plays is yet to be seen. I, I'd love to see him get the start on the outside. I think that's unlikely, given the fact that Ty Smith uh, was terrific last week against Jacksonville. Um, you know, and really, you don't have any reason um, for Ty Smith to lose his job this week. Typically, that's not how coaches coach, right? Guy's not going to lose his job uh, for doing the wrong thing, especially when it's someone like Fulton who would be replacing him, who's a rookie and has played limited snaps. Again, I'd love to see him get in on the action and play some significant snaps on the outside, but not sure that's going to be the case. So we'll talk about what's what the Lions are dealing with injury-wise in a second, but I do think there's a chance. You know, we saw it last week and we saw it a few weeks ago against Indianapolis with the Titans getting up to a huge halftime lead, where if that happens against a Lions team dealing with a lot of injury with the 32nd-ranked defense, according to weighted DVOA, which takes into account your most recent games and drops – the importance of far away games that happened at the beginning of the season. So as things stand right now, the lions technically have the worst defense in the NFL, according to DVOA. So I think things could break right for the Titans here, which might allow Christian Fulton to get out there, get a, get a bunch of live reps, get some more NFL experience under his belt as we headed down the stretch, which could definitely help. And, and, you know, you wouldn't be, I guess, risking a whole lot in case he does struggle out there if the Titans are able to build a lead going into halftime. Yeah, I mean, obviously this Lions defense is not playing at, at a high level. Uh, they haven't been doing so all year long. And with Matt Patricia uh, no longer in the fold, um, I don't think they're going to get any better, especially here in week 15. And as Titans offense is rolling right now, they're chasing some offensive history. Uh, and I think the Titans offense is going to dominate this game and, and easily put up 30 plus points. I'm glad you mentioned that. Let's talk about it. The Titans have an outside shot at a 4,000 yard passer, a 2,000 yard rusher and two 1,000 yard receivers. Now that's never happened in the history of the NFL. There have been teams that had a 2,000 yard rusher with multiple thousand yard receivers, the 1997 Lions, 1998 Broncos, but nobody's ever had a 4,000-yard passer with a 2,000-yard rusher with two 1,000-yard receivers. Obviously, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis could do this for Tennessee. I've seen a lot of buzz about it, but I don't want to be a downer. I'd be love to be wrong about this, but I'm going to throw cold water on this idea. There is no way that Ryan Tannehill throws for 790 passing yards over the next three weeks and Derrick Henry runs for 500 rushing yards, and Corey Davis and A.J. Brown each get close to 200 receiving yards over the next three weeks. None of these guys, the only thing that's on pace to actually happen right now is the receivers going over 1,000, and that's just barely on pace. If Derrick Henry explodes for another huge game, that means Tannehill's probably not throwing a lot. If Tannehill explodes for a huge game, it's probably like the Browns game where Henry only had 60 yards. So not to be a downer here, but like, Titans fans should probably throw this dream away because they're not going to have a 4,000-yard passer, 2,000-yard runner, and 2,000-yard receivers. In fact, if I had to guess, I'd say the only one they actually get are the 2,000-yard receivers. I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's, it's crazy to think that all that can happen. I, I don't think Derek's going to hit 2,000 yards. I think that's probably the least likeliest, uh, the least likely of all the scenarios. I think, well, I think what's going to happen is Corey Davis and A.J. Brown uh, both get to 1,000 receiving yards each. They're both about what? 165 off, I think, right now. 
Something like that. Yeah. AJ Brown is on pace to hit a thousand yards, but not on pace to hit 1,075 yards, which is not much more than a thousand, but that was his preseason Vegas prop projection, whatever you want to call it, that they had him at was 1,074. He's like five yards short of his per game numbers to even hit that. So again, yeah, it'd be great. It'd be cool. But you know, what would be way better is if this team had their playoff spot and the division locked up before the week 17 game at Houston, which would allow them to rest Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown. AJ Brown didn't practice again on Thursday. Hasn't practiced on a Thursday in weeks because he's dealing with this knee injury, nagging injuries. They got lots of guys dealing with nagging injuries and Personal accolades are great and all. The 2,000 yards would be amazing, but you know what would be better is gearing up, going on a deep playoff run, making that push to the Super Bowl at full strength. And speaking of that, Adoree Jackson, still practicing in a limited role this week. He returned to practice for the first time in, in a while last week. Limited, 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 Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. This week, he's been limited, limited. I expect when Friday's report comes out, he will be limited again. Doesn't seem like he's going to play this game, but it does feel like he has a chance to return against the Packers. I think that would be fine if he returned against the Packers. What are your What are your thoughts on Adoree? Yeah, if it were up to me, I mean, you're not going to need him in this game, especially with you know Chase Daniel likely playing quarterback. There's, there's just no need to throw him out there in a game that should be a, a cakewalk. I would very much like to see him play against Green Bay next weekend. I think that would be an ideal time for him to return. Get him up there, get him going against Aaron Rodgers, get him in a primetime game against one of the best teams in the NFL. It's like ripping a Band-Aid off. I, I think there's nothing better than him coming back and having to play against one of these high-octane offenses like the one Green Bay run. So uh, especially, you know, a, a team that, of course, throws the ball a ton with Aaron Rodgers. So I'd love to see him come back for that one and just get right into the thick of things. Me too. And I think that, honestly, like, even if he struggles immensely in that game, like, that's right. what – that would be like the best way to catch him back up to game speed instantly as you head into the week 17 game and the playoffs beyond it. Because if, you know, his first action back isn't until a playoff game, like he's going to be rusty. He needs to knock that rust off. And if he can have a chance to do that against Devonte Adams, one of the best route runners, one of the toughest man covers in the league, that's a great opportunity to get out there and shake off that rust, get back into, into action, gear up for a playoff run. Yeah, I fully agree. I, I, don't, I don't think it matters how, if he comes back next weekend and looks terrible. I think the only thing you want to see is that he's healthy and that he plays because we know Adoree Jackson is a good cornerback. If he, come back, if he comes back next week and has a rough game and Aaron Rodgers is targeting him all game long, uh, I would not be very concerned at all because we know Adoree's a good quarterback. We've seen him play at a high level for several years. So let him come back, let him take his bumps. Uh, like you said, get those game reps under his belt, go into week 17 against Houston, play him again, and then he should be ready to, uh, for the playoffs. Totally agree. All right, any last thoughts on this game before we get to our special guest? That's all. I'm excited for this. Jeff Risden, uh, if you follow along, uh, is one of the best in the business. Someone, I've been reading, you know, not to make Jeff sound old, but I've been reading his stuff uh, since I, I remember when I first got into, you know, football and, and reading football journalism, Jeff was one of the first people uh, I, I was ever reading. I felt like I had to read his stuff every day. Great stuff he did over at Real GM. He's still with Real GM, one, one of the old school, fantastic football, uh, all around sports websites. Uh, and now he's with the Lions Wire and the Browns Wire as well. So Jeff does terrific work and I was thrilled to have him on here. Yeah, it was a great interview. So why don't we get to it then? Without further ado, we're going to bring on our guest now, Jeff Risden. 
the managing editor for the Lions Wire and the Browns Wire. He's a bit of an expert on two teams, but of course, we're talking to him today about the Detroit Lions, try to get the scoop. What's going on in Detroit? Thanks for joining us tonight, Jeff. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're happy to get into this. And the first question I want to ask you is, will Matthew Stafford play on Sunday? We know he's dealing with this rib cartilage injury, but hasn't practiced yet this week. What are your thoughts there? Uh, it's They're playing it very tight to the vest. I, I would not expect him to play, but I'll say this. If, if any quarterback is going to play through that kind of, of an injury, it's going to be Matthew Stafford. He, he is a gamer. He wants to get out there. He is very proud of his toughness and playing all the games that he has. Because if you remember back early on in his career, he was injury prone. Um, and they were kind of fluke injuries. And then he played, I believe it was eight years in a row without missing a game. Uh, so he, he certainly played through a lot a lot of things. But this is, uh, this is a tough one. This is, it, it's painful when he breathes. It's, it's hard for him to extend his arm. I, I can't fathom him playing, but at the same time, they're not going to rule him out. He, he won't be ruled out on Friday. They'll put him as questionable. Uh, and, and we'll see what happens with that. But uh, it's uh, it would be surprising if number nine was out on the field, let's put it that way. And we know he's already played through a thumb ligament injury already this season. So it's just it's a shame to see him getting beat up. And I feel like he played so well last season and then coming into this year, maybe wasn't the same guy. Maybe the back injury took a toll on him more than we expected. But is there anything you've seen from Stafford this year that you think questions what his future with the Lions? Uh, nothing on his end. Um, there are other things that are that are going on in around Detroit that, that do impact his future. Look, he was not as good. You're correct. He was not as good in 2020 as he was in 2019. Uh, some of that is the fact that his receivers never get open. Kenny Galladay and and Marvin Jones and and even Quintez Cephas, the rookie, none of those guys get open. They're all in the bottom ten in wide receiver in terms of separation per route. And it's obvious when you watch the Lions, nobody is open. He has to throw them open. He's good at that. Is what he's done his entire career. But asking him to do it 37 times a game—that's that, that's pushing a little bit. Uh, he is—he wasn't as mobile in 2020 as he was in 2019. I think that certainly can be attributed to the back injury and the fact that he's 32 years old now uh, and broke broke bones in his back two years in a row. That's it's not an insignificant thing. So his his mobility declined a little bit. I think his uh, the the pinpoint precision on the shorter passes hasn't been there quite as much, but other than that, I mean, he's, he's still a very good, you, you can win with Matthew Stafford as your starting quarterback. He is not the reason why this team is, uh, what are they? Four and nine, five, five and eight. I, I give him an extra loss there. I'm, I'm planning ahead. It would seem, I mean, he's tough. He's very tough. Like you said, and he's played through a lot of things, but with the Lions season, you know, all but over, it would seem a little cruel for them to throw him out there with injured ribs in a meaningless game. What a name. Yeah, and it would, uh, and that's that's part of the issue there. Um, the other thing, and, and you're probably going to touch on this, but I'll just jump into it. Frank Ragnow at center is probably not going to play either. He broke his throat uh, last week in the game. Didn't allow a sack while he did that, uh, which is just remarkable and freakish, but it also um, it, he can't talk. Uh, I, I can't fathom your center playing when he can't talk. He's really, really good. If If they go to a backup plan, probably going to be veteran Joe Dahl, who's a journeyman who's just never left Detroit, um, who doesn't play center, by the way. He's, he's naturally a left guard. Or fourth-round rookie Logan Senberg, who has been a game day inactive every week, even though they don't have any depth. That tells, sort of tells you where their draft pick went there. So uh, that, that they insisted today, uh, on Thursday, uh, Coach Daryl Bevel was asked 
both of those prospects. Uh, and he didn't, he said he said that it wasn't t- you know Stafford's status would not be tied to Ragnall's, but uh, I, I kind of think that's coach speak. And most of us who who were in the press conference were like, yeah, I don't know about that, coach. So uh, that, it it seems really doubtful if Ragnall was going to be out that Stafford would get out there too. I want to touch on that. That sets it up perfectly because Ragnow, I mean, who fractures or breaks their throat? I mean, it caused quite the frenzy on social media. Uh, what, what have you heard about it and what, and what do you know about his stats? So it is the, um, you, you know, in your Adam's apple, you feel it. It's hard. It feels like a bone. It's not technically a bone. It's cartilage, but it, it broke that way. And the issue is, is that it impairs your vocal cords. If you've ever listened to the Arizona Cardinals radio broadcast, Ron Wolfley, um, is the guy that has the gravelly voice. His voice is like that because he broke his throat once upon a time. I don't think Frank Reichel wants that to happen. Uh, so they have, they've ordered him not to speak uh, until Friday, and they're going to see what happens with that. They have specialists on the, on the staff. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's one of those things where it doesn't necessarily impact his breathing, but it impacts his ability to speak and his ability to project his voice. And that's uh, kind of an important thing when you're a center and making all the line calls. So it's, it's flukish. It's weird. I, we, we looked through it. Uh, Eric Schlitt, my, my partner at Lionswire, and I went through. We couldn't find in the game where it happened. So I, 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 it's, just, it's, it's just one of those crazy things that uh, always seems to happen with the Lions for some reason. Yeah, that is crazy, and it's really too bad because, like you said, he's a great player, but it'll help this Titans defense. I want to switch things, go over to the Lions defense how do you see this defense matching up with Derrick Henry and the Titans rushing attack? We know they're going to want to come out, establish the run, feed Derrick Henry. We talked about this a little bit before you joined us, that the Lions have dropped down to the 32nd ranking in weighted defense DVOA, which is obviously not where you want to be heading into week 15. But what, what are your thoughts on this Titans – or sorry, what are your thoughts on this Lions defense overall, especially that was supposed to be, you know, Matt Patricia with a defensive head coach, obviously fired – where is this Lions defense at? Uh, that's why he's fired, uh, to be blunt. Uh, they, they don't stand much of a chance. Uh, I'll be honest with you. There's the, the, the only reason that Derrick Henry doesn't rush for 200 yards in this game is because A.J. Brown and, and Corey Davis are both going to get 100 yards receiving as well. That's the only reason. That's the only way they're going to stop it. The Lions are the slowest defense in the league on purpose. That's why Matt, that's, that's why Matt Patricia's gone. That's why GM Bob Quinn is gone. They purposely got slow and big on defense um, in a league where, where speed and, and, you know, quickness is, is valued. Um, Jamie Collins is not a bad player. Christian Jones is not a bad player, but they're not fleet of foot. The, Jelani Tavai can't run at all. Um, he's slower than a lot of guards that are pulling out to get to him. Uh, and it's just, it's rough that the, the safeties behind them are terrible. Will Harris, I'm still convinced, has never actually played football. He's just out there sort of running around and, and trying to, to run into things at high speed and, and misses a lot. Their line is okay. Uh, rookie John Penasini is a, is a promising young nose tackle. He can play. He is going to make a play or two against Derrick Henry where, where the Titans are going to be like, wow, okay, all right, all right. We won't go there again. Uh, and then you run outside and there's nobody there. So it's uh, it's going to be tough, guys. This is uh, – this is a game where, where Henry should should I don't know if he'll get 200 yards like I said but he's he's gonna get he's gonna get a couple of long runs anyways and th- and there's gonna be a, this is the so I'll, I'll go back to I'll put the, the Browns wire hat on for a second Browns did a fair job against Derrick Henry I thought in that game some of that was game situation getting out of script 
the Lions are not going to be able to do what the Browns did to them. And the Browns, by the way, have the worst linebacking core in, in football. And uh, that's uh, that's saying something that they're worse than, than the Lions, but that's not by much. It's uh, speed kills, man, and, and the Lions just don't have it, and they can't handle it either. And, and you mentioned there, you know, the Lions, they do have some talented players on defense. So I want to get into Matt Patricia a little bit. Uh, a two-part question. A, um, I'm assuming you agreed that it was time to let him go, and B, um, he's actually a popular candidate in, in the Titan circle. So the Titans don't have a defensive coordinator right now, and they've really struggled this year on defense. So everyone's connecting the dots and going, oh, Mike Brabel, uh, Matt Patricia. You know, Matt Patricia will be the D.C. next year. Do you think that would make sense? I mean, how sour, how much have you soured on him as a head coach? Do you think he can still be a good defensive coordinator? I, I would not be opposed to him getting a defensive coordinator job. He cannot run a team. Uh, that's, that, that much is pretty clear. A lot of Patricia's issues dated with, with the players dated back to his first season in Detroit when he came in and he, he was flat out disrespectful for the players. It was one of those deals where he thought that, that they were soft under Jim Caldwell, um, that they needed to be beaten down um, so he could pick them up. Well, he did beat them down and he never really picked them up. And the fact that they weren't winning as much sort of lost him any credibility on that front as a defensive schemer. Um, so he is from the same coaching tree as Vrabel. Obviously, it's based on Romeo Cornell's defense, which is based on the Bill Parcells defense. Um, Patricia has embraced it a little too much in that he is still trying to win the NFC, the NFC East in 1986. Uh, it's, to, it's 2020. Uh, that, that's where the big and slow comes from. That's where the, the, they don't, he doesn't blitz a lot. He believes in, in the coverage sack uh, and, and getting, having the, the secondary be better than your defensive line. That's counterintuitive in these days, although with, with things personal that they've got, that's not, not, not a terrible idea. Um, if, you, if you can't get a great pass rush, and I know that the Titans have struggled in that, that regard, I, I, I wouldn't recommend that he gets it right away, but it, it's not a terrible hire. And the fact that Vrabel has, has the command that he does, the gravitas with the, the players and, and the respect, it, it's not a bad landing spot, honestly. I'm glad you feel that way because I've had this argument with, with some of our coworkers over at Broadway Sports Media. And, uh, you know, a lot of them, oh, we're out on Matt Patricia. And to me, you know, being a head coach, it's, it's just such a different job from being a defensive coordinator. It's so, it's so different that, hey, some good, great coordinators are not cut out to be head coaches. And it doesn't mean they can't go back to being great coordinators. Yeah. And, and I would, I, he's, he's definitely worth another shot at that. Uh, and, and again, the familiarity with Vrabel um, and the familiarity with, with the same base defense does help. But he has to he has to show that he's learned from his mistakes um, and that he doesn't blitz. He doesn't do anything exotic. Um, the, the Lions, aside from being near the bottom in blitz rate, were also dead last in stunts um, and twists and things like that. They don't do a lot of pre-stamp motion on defense to move things around. Very passive, static defense. It doesn't work. He's got to learn from that. But you know, he, he is indeed a rocket scientist, as he will be quick to tell you. And that's, uh, that, that, that's both a blessing and a curse for him. So now, I, I wouldn't hate it. Uh, a lot of Lions fans will, will, will say, oh, my God, that would be such a mistake. Uh, I, I tend to give him a little bit of credit that he did get better as a coach with the players and, and dealing with it. I think a fresh start in a place where, where he doesn't have to be that domineering presence because you have that in Vrabel. Uh, that, that, that's probably the best bet for him. But uh, I, I kind of prefer to wait a year, honestly. I don't want to get too much into this, but I feel like so many of those Belichick tree guys, 
the reason that some of them, I think, fail as a head coach. It just feels like, as you said, you know, he gets there. He tries to break down the players. He's very disrespectful. It's almost like they're trying to replicate the Bilicek shtick a little, in my opinion. And the Bilicek shtick, let's be honest, it doesn't work unless you win, right? Bill Bilicek, New England, they don't tolerate his, they don't tolerate Bill Bilicek unless they win, right? So going somewhere like Detroit, I mean, you, you just can't try to replicate that. No, it, it didn't work at all. And I'm, I'm very familiar with the Eric Mangini uh, branch out of that too. And that, you know, I, I, I personally like Eric Mangini. I, I've developed a friendship with him over the years. I don't want him anywhere near my football team as a coach. They just, you just can't do that. <laughs> and it's interesting because Malcolm Butler played for Patricia in New England. And, you know, Trey Flowers and Jamie Collins played in New England, went and signed free agent deals in Detroit, right? So it's like if Patricia was this overbearing, the, the same personality he is as a head coach where all the players hate him and they're throwing mimosa parties when the, at the end of the season because they don't have to see him anymore, makes you wonder if he was maybe a different kind of character as a head coach than he was as a defensive coordinator when you had players who wanted to go play for him again, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and, and some guys, uh, uh, Trey Flowers in particular, who's injured right now, and that's one of the reasons why the Lions defense is poor, he's a really, really good player. He does not show up on the stat sheet, but he is a great football player, uh, a guy that you can win with. He liked Patricia, and he's, he's lamented him going away. You know, Jamie Collins is a guy – uh, I was skeptical of him. I watched him. In Cle- I watched him quit on a Cleveland team um, when it wasn't going well. He has not quit. He, he's not always full speed, but he's he's certainly not quit on the season. So there, there are Deron Harmon is another one, you know, who, who's a decent safety. Um, he's he's the best safety on Detroit right now. So there there are there are guys who who do buy into that and understood um, that it just wasn't working because they weren't winning. Um, and, and honestly, the, the final straw was getting blanked by a bad Carolina team. They lost 20 to nothing. Uh, the offense did nothing. The defense did nothing in that game. Uh, it, it, at that point, it was very clear to everybody in the locker room that this wasn't going anywhere, and that's, uh, that, that's when it, it finally ended for them. Yeah, let's, let's talk about this game Sunday in particular because you mentioned that you don't think the Lions have a great chance here. The Las Vegas sports books would agree with you. Titans opened as nine and a half point favorites. That has since been bet up to 11 point favorites. So heavy double digit favorites for Tennessee at home, their last home game of the year. What has to happen for Detroit to come out with a victory in this game? Uh, you're going to need... From a Detroit standpoint, you're going to need the fluke turnover, um, like the Derrick Henry fumble um, that happened in Cleveland. Um, that that just doesn't happen. I guess it was in Tennessee too, but you know, you, you need you need things like that. You need Tannehill to get off his game a little bit. You're going to need you need penalties on your offensive line, on your defensive line. Uh, this is a game that the Lions are probably going to play without Kenny Galladay as well as Matthew Stafford. So, you know, it it would take look uh, the the Titans the Titans secondary has underperformed, in my opinion, from watching from afar. I've seen probably half of their games. Um, this is a game where they can get healthy a little bit because uh, the Lions do not have guys who can beat man coverage on the outside. Uh, the, those, those simple throws that were there in some other games, they're not going to be there because uh, the Lions just don't have that, that type of firepower down the field. So uh, it would take, you know, pass interference penalties, defensive holding, uh, a special teams breakdown or two. Um, and, and the Lions do have good special teams. They, they block punts, they block field goals, they can return. Uh, so that potential is there. You're going to have to be sharp on special teams. But if you don't give this game away with mistakes, uh, it's really hard to see the Lions staying and, and even covering the spread, even at 11. So what you're saying is it's impossible. 
Uh, pretty close to it, yeah. So even <laughs> even if even if the Lions were at full strength, like when you go through the, the schedule at the beginning of the year and you're like, oh, they're going to win this one, they're going to lose this one. This was one that I had as like definite L, like back in August when we weren't completely out on the team. Uh, so uh, now that we are out on the team and that, that it's gone the way it is, uh, it, it's pretty easy to put an L in the column for Detroit on this one. We, we, Justin and I, we both have the Titans putting up 30-plus points here. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think the official final score that I predicted was uh, – so I staged it. Uh, it was 37-9 to 9 if Chase Daniel is the starting quarterback. If Stafford's in, make it 37-23. to 23. I think he's worth two touchdowns to the offense. That's how valuable Matthew Stafford is uh, and also how, how far out of reach this game should be. Uh, and, and I did write that uh, I, I expect Henry, Brown, and Davis to all top 100 yards from scrimmage uh, and could – very well, a couple of them push 150 because there's just there's just no resistance there in, in Detroit. It, it's just between the injuries, the scheme, and, and the coaching changes, it's just not there. You hate to go into any matchup with too much confidence in the National Football League because, you know, the Giants beat the Seahawks a couple weeks ago. Anything can happen, right? But it really does feel like these two teams are trending in opposite directions. The Titans are getting ready for their playoff push, whereas the Lions are – entering another possible rebuild, possibly a full teardown rebuild that we kind of touched on a little bit, but I guess that will do it for our questions here today. Justin, do you have anything else to wrap us up? I, I've got nothing, Jeff. That was terrific. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time for me here. Uh, my pleasure, guys. Enjoy the game this weekend. You should enjoy this game this weekend. <laughs> enjoy it while you can. <laughs> yeah. Titans fans everywhere will. Make sure you guys follow Jeff on Twitter, at Jeff Risden. Get his feed going during the game so you can see the other perspective. And I don't know, we I teased this a couple weeks ago that that other perspective might be fun for Titans fans to view, and it ended up not being fun. But this week, maybe it will be. <laughs> yeah, we, we, try, we try to have fun with it. Look, everybody in Lions Land knows this is not a good football team. So I, I don't think you're going to get much Homer, Homerism coming back at you. <laughs> try not to jump too deep into the craft beer this weekend, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I will certainly try those guys. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot for joining us, Jeff. We really appreciate your time. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed getting that scoop from Jeff about the Lions. Let's wrap this up really quickly. Justin, I'm throwing it to you for a score prediction. I think the Titans absolutely dominate this game. I think it's going to be 33 to 9. 33 to 9. Wow. I think this game is something. I'll go with a final score prediction of 42 to 20. I think this team does hit the 40-point mark. They've done it a few times already this year. You've seen them have those games where they just go touchdown drive, touchdown drive, touchdown drive, touchdown drive. Feels like this is an opportunity for one of those games. We're super overconfident in this team this week, which is always a dangerous place to be in the NFL. But hey, that's how we feel right now. Got to go with our guts. Any last thoughts before we cut this episode off? No, that should do it. I hope everyone, again, enjoyed this episode, enjoyed uh, uh, Jeff's appearance. Again, he was terrific in giving us insight into the Lions side of things for this game. And uh, see you next Friday. Yeah, we'll be back next Friday to preview the Week 16 Sunday Night Football matchup in Lambeau against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Super excited. That's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a good episode for us. We'll be back next week. Be sure to check out broadwaysportsmedia.com. We have a shop, shop.broadwaysportsmedia.com. T-shirt, uh, sweatshirt, really comfy Nashville Skyline sweatshirt. Might make a great Christmas gift for somebody out there, just saying. Broadway Sports Premium Membership might make a great Christmas gift, just saying. Be sure to check out all the other podcasts we have on the Broadway Network, part of 440 Sports, while you're there on the site. 
and follow Justin on Twitter at Justin M underscore NFL. Follow me if you want to at Titans Film Room. You guys probably already follow us because you're listening to our podcast. And if you don't, uh, I'm kind of offended, honestly. But we'll get out of here now. Like Justin said, we'll be back next Friday. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.